The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner, who is a certified financial planner, a CPA, an author of many financial books, and we're going to discuss many different topics of interest in the whole personal finance field. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it. Uh, let's just start with a little bit of your background before we get into some of the, the content areas. Uh, give us the background you had to, to where you are today. Okay. I'm originally from New York. I uh, worked in the financial planning and the CPA field for many years. Years and years ago, I worked at Arthur Anderson back in New York and uh, worked for the AICPA's financial planning division where I got a chance to really learn and understand all the different technical subjects in financial planning. Moved out to take a board to head up the technical area for the CFP board in Denver and have a practice in Denver and a practice in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I rotate between the two offices and um, do a significant amount of tax work. also do a lot of consumer education where we go out and help consumers really understand how to do the right thing for them and for themselves, that is, and do real financial planning without relying on other experts. Let's just kind of start with the overall picture of uh, consumer financial education in this country now. Okay. Some would say it's getting a lot better, that there's a lot more courses at the high school level and the college level than there ever used to be, and there's just tons of curriculum out there, and a lot of there's certain states that have mandates for consumer financial education. Um, some would say it's getting worse. People are getting into worse financial habits and worse debt and not getting the financial education they need. How, how do you see the, the state of financial education in the country these days? Yeah, Jordan, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people are finding themselves more in debt than ever before. As a matter of fact, many people are underwater now in their mortgages. The last number I heard was one out of five Americans in this country have been underwater for that. There is a growing need for that. You're right, the, the colleges, the high schools, there are other providers out there. The one thing you have to remember, though, is to make sure that when you're going out there, you're getting good, clean, objective advice. And you've got to be careful on certain salespeople that try to come in there and try to push their own products. So you want to try to get somebody who's independent, even if it means paying for that type of service so you're not throwing a bill of goods. So give me some examples of that. How are salespeople getting into high schools and colleges and curriculum in ways that are, are not particularly helpful? Well, sometimes they may come from a certain company. And if they come from a certain company, their objective is not necessarily to see the people there and provide advice, but to ultimately sell them products. You see a lot of that with annuities. You see a lot of that in life insurance and certain types of mutual funds. So you have to be careful. You've got to make sure that you're going there and learning from somebody who's independent. And if you have to like that individual, then, yes, you can pursue the next step. And that next step is to go ahead and say, all right, you know what, I like you, I like your style, I believe in your philosophy, please show me what you can do to help me out in that area. Um, if I, I hear from a lot of parents who say, you know, the schools are not really doing very much, and they want to 
teach their kids about personal finance, if the parents themselves don't feel all that comfortable about it, what are some steps that parents can take to educate their kids better about money? Okay, Jordan, that's a great question. And some of the things that we can do is there are certain schools, for example, like I know when my kids went to Cherry Creek High School in Colorado, they had uh, clubs over there that taught people on how to use money and how to look at financial issues. There's even a bank in Denver that actually set up just for younger Americans to be able to go ahead and go through the banking process, if you will, so they have a good understanding of that. I think it's the parents' obligation, just like if you've ever read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, to go in there and try to help them understand, set a budget, set incentives for individuals, so if the kids can go out there and say, listen, we'll match dollar for dollar what you want to do, we'll help you design a plan of action to go forward, because you're right, there's a lot of people out there all of a sudden now, they're very trained in very specialized things. Even doctors are a great example, but they never learn how to run a business. They never learn how to manage a budget. And all of a sudden, you're putting them in a situation where they can't succeed in terms of running their own business. So I think the parents have to go out, gather books, go through coursework perhaps, sit down with the children, make sure they understand exactly what the issues are, give them encouragement, give them incentives, help them match what they need to do, and you'll see that go a long way. And what are the results of people not getting good financial education uh, as they grow up? Well, the results are very obvious. I mean, what you find out is you see a lot of people going bankrupt. We have more bankruptcy today than ever before, more foreclosures than ever before. People don't know how to manage money. And probably, Jordan, the, the interesting thing is the more money if somebody makes the more likely they are to go and have issues. And you see that with very, you know, uh, doctors, lawyers, other professionals who make lots of money, and they spend just as much as they make, and all of a sudden the business takes a downturn, just like even through the economic cycle, or something happens and they're no longer able to sustain that level. So what you need to do is just because you're making a lot of money doesn't make you, you know, uh, uh, basically remote from having any of this stuff happen to you, you always need to start with a good personal financial plan. That plan of action is going to be the roadmap that somebody needs to get from where they are today to where they need to be. No matter who it is, no matter what the income level, no matter what the job specifications are, you're going to go in there and you're going to show somebody, all right, here's the roadmap that you need, and if you follow that, you'll end up in good shape. And not enough Americans do. What would you be the sense of the percentage of the American population that has and actually sticks to a financial plan, even somewhat loosely? You know what? I mean, to be honest with you, I don't have any specific numbers, but I would say it's very, very slight. When I go out and do consumer education sessions, I find people that heard of it, you know, but you know what? They, they'd rather spend more time planning their vacation. They'd rather spend more time doing fun things than get down to the nitty-gritty. And every time I talk to somebody about tax or insurance or anything else like that, their first response is, well, we can save that for another day. And no, you've got to address these things now. You've got to set the, the wheels in motion to weather any type of storms that come up, just like what's going on in this country today. So how do you motivate people to overcome their kind of natural inertia and apathy, I guess you might say? Okay. Jordan, the way to, to, to motivate people is purely from an education standpoint. I mean, is, with all the technical work and the writing that I do, I consider myself the ultimate educator and somebody that's going to go in there and say, you know what, we're going to sit at this table, we're going to sit in this group, 
we're going to sit in whatever type of scenario you put me in, and I want to make sure that people understand the ramifications of not acting. And if they don't understand that, then we just make sure that they get it in one way or another. And the problem that I see is people would rather put it off because it's not fun to deal with. And look at all the people now that are in trouble because they could have set themselves up in a different situation before they ended up going into this type of scenario now where we are in the country and who knows when we're going to get out from under from here. I hear a lot of people don't want to pay a financial planner for any you know kind of services up front. Mm-hmm. They don't want to pay for commissions. They don't want to pay for any of these kind of things. It's too painful, as you say, so they just don't do anything. How can you – I mean, you can educate them, as you've said, but how do you get them from education to action once they realize how urgent it is to get this under control? Yeah, I mean, you know, though, Jordan, the way I tell them is, listen, any time you go see a professional, you have to pay a fee. I don't know any attorney or CPA that doesn't put you on the clock the minute they see you. Even if you're going for a haircut, they charge you at that time. You know, you have to realize that financial planning is your true well-being, and that's going to help you decide whether or not you're going to be able to retire when you want to, let's say at age 65 or even earlier, or do the things that you want, including planning for going on those vacations and other types of uh, things that you set aside for yourself down the road. So I, I think you need to tell them, listen, this is a service. You know, you get what you pay for. If you're going to come in and try to get something for free or just try to get some ad hoc advice, you get what you pay for. you got to do it right. You have to set it up from the beginning. You have to have your goals and objectives all mapped out. You have to be able to figure out how the things that you have here today is going to help you down the road. It's sort of like when I tell them, Jordan, going forward, I say, you know what? You know, if you were driving from Los Angeles to New York, you know that you're following a map because the map's going to be the easiest and the shortest route to get you between two points. But ultimately, you know you have to go east and you have to go north. You need the map to basically get rid of all the obstacles that are in the way, all the, all the garbage that comes out there, so you can stay very focused in your approach and your drive from L.A. to New York. And a lot of people, they don't have the map, so they're completely lost without it. Do you get some people who go through and make up the map, they do a whole financial plan, and then they don't implement any of it or most of it? Okay, a great question. I mean, what I find is since we charge people in advance for doing that, they're more likely to pursue it. You know, when we do our education training programs for professionals around the country, we charge them 100% before they even step foot in the door, and we have classes going on national. We do the same thing here. Because what I found is if you don't charge them, they don't take it seriously. So we say, you know what? We're going to give you the roadmap. We can't push you to drink from the water fountain, but we can certainly put you in the right direction. When people have their money up front and they see that at risk, then they're willing to go ahead and follow through. So I have personally never seen that as an issue. People that go to perhaps salespeople where they don't charge for that type of plan, hoping to implement the product, that's when you get the sense of the follow-through may not be there. Because they're worried about paying the commission. They're trying to get a free financial plan up front, and then they're so worried about what commissions the guy's going to earn that they don't end up doing anything. Yeah, they're penny-wise and they're dollar-foolish. And you know what? Sometimes you have to spend money in order to make money, and that goes in any walk of life. And I tell them, you know what? You're responsible ultimately for what happens to you financially. And here's a roadmap that's going to help you get to where you need to. If you're looking to cut costs and save nickels and dimes, it's going to cost you dollars going forward.
So do you get a sense that people get that message and, and turn around, or, or most people are always going to be kind of inert and apathetic about these things? Most people are suspect. I think now, from what we're seeing, because of the down markets and economy, people are more serious about it now than they ever have been before. You know, back in the 90s and even back in the 80s when times were rolling and people were happy about the financial aspects out there, people were saying, eh, nothing's really going to get that bad. Now, today, in 2010, they realize, you know what, it is that bad, and we better do something about it because who knows where it's going to go from here. You know, my personal belief is that things work in cycles, and what that means is we have bad times now, but they're going to get good again, and then they're going to get bad again, and then they're going to get good again, and we have to know how to ride out the roller coaster without acting too harshly, you know, and all of a sudden people are saying, uh-oh, what do we do now? We have to stay the course. The roadmap provides you with the information you need to stay the course so you don't get distracted by the little things that are going on outside of that. Okay, very good. We're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner, uh, who is a CPA and certified financial planner in the uh, Denver area. Uh, we're talking about lots of interesting things in the whole financial services world. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Hello, this is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner, uh, who is a certified financial planner, CPA, uh, expert on the whole financial services world based in the uh, Denver area and also Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome back to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jordan. Now, you just did a book called Personal Financial Planning for Divorce, uh, published by Wiley. Yes. Uh, why did you feel, feel there was a need to do a book about that particular topic? Well, Jordan, you know, I've read lots of books on the process, and uh, unfortunately I went through the one uh, that process myself, and there wasn't a good single-source reference guide to get all the answers from. You know, you had all these little bits and pieces, very generic types of things, and I decided as a personal financial planner to go out and combine all the key areas that affect both before, during, and after the divorce, including investments and retirement and insurance and taxes and the whole bit, and have it one single resource written from a perspective of a little bit of humor, but a lot of good, hard-duty technical stuff, which is my ultimate background, so somebody can read it either page by page. They can go to specific chapters. They can look at the exhibits and the worksheets that I have in there and be able to take it and use it right away. What are some of the biggest myths that people have about the financial impacts of divorce? Oh, that it's just, you know, a short-term thing, and it's not really going to cost you that much, and once, you know, that other person's out of your life, then things are going to go and resume back to normal, and that's the furthest thing from the truth, because in the divorce situation, nobody wins. Everybody's a loser, and the matter, the, the, the situation is, how much of a loser can you be? So the ultimate goal is to try to minimize the damage that's created out there, and there's lots of ways of doing it. But the big myth is, well, everything will be fine afterwards. Don't worry about it. You know what? We got a plan, just like we spoke about before on the financial planning side. We need that same roadmap and after a divorce because your situation is going to be so different from what you even considered or conceived of years earlier that you're going to need even more help now than ever before. Uh, it, does it make a big difference in how the divorce comes out as to whether it's relatively amicable or if it's uh, angry? Yes, it does, uh, Jordan, and um, ideally, you want to see something amicable. Ideally, you want to go to a mediator or somebody that you can agree with ahead of time so you can go in there and say, listen, you know what, here are the assets, here are the debts. Let's try to work at a manageable solution for each so we can move on with our lives. But the problem that comes up is that people get so angry that they're looking for their day in court or they're looking for something that they can prove, aha, look what that person did, and I'm going to go back and get them. And all of a sudden, after the show's over, you say, all right, now what was that for? Did I really accomplish what I wanted? You know, it's funny, and in reviewing and interviewing people for my book, you know, 95% of the people that I spoke with said that if they had to do it all over again, they would have. They wouldn't have went to court. They wouldn't have dragged it out. They wouldn't have been angry and just shoot the lawyer a letter about every little nook and cranny that comes up. They would have done it amicable. There would have been more money for their kids down the road, and life would have been much easier, and it would have been a lot better to move on. Is it the emotion that takes over and there's revenge and all those kind of things? Oh, absolutely. It's all based on emotion. There's no logic. There's no rationale, because if there was, you would go ahead ahead of time and say, all right, here's the assets, here's the liability. Which do you feel comfortable with? 
you know, what do you need income to draw from so you can maintain your lifestyle? That's a rational approach. That's looking outside the box. That's why the purpose of getting a mediator, a CPA or CFP, or somebody that can work outside of that immediate situation who's not drawn on the emotion from there, you can say, listen, guys, you know what? This is what you need to do to basically minimize the damage because ultimately what happens is most divorces cost well in excess of $100,000. And when you look at what you got, the only thing that you get is you get the attorneys driving away in the big fancy cars. You don't really get anything from that, which is really a problem. That's why I always tell people you need to take the emotion out. But, Jordan, it's very difficult to do because that's essentially what starts the whole process to begin with. So should every marriage start with a prenup? Um. I wouldn't say every marriage, certainly young kids getting married, um, a prenup may not be necessary only because, you know, what happens is there's, there's nothing there. There's nothing really to divide. Second marriages, third marriages, and beyond, oh, absolutely, right? What do they say? The first time for love, second time for money, right? And the third time cash in advance. You've got to be real careful about that. But, yes, going forward, as you get older, as you begin to accumulate more, Yes, you definitely want to have that prenup. So should you have a prenup? Well, I mean, once you're already married, uh, is it, it's too late to do a prenup, or can you do it once you're already married and the assets are starting to build up? Well, you wouldn't necessarily do what's called a prenup, but I think what you can do is come to some sort of an agreement or a cohabitation agreement that says, listen, in the event, or you can even pose it as in the unlikely event that we do split up, you know, here's what you're going to walk away with, here's what I'm going to walk away with. If there's a lot of dollars on the, on the table, then yes, I think that might be an advisable situation. Does anybody ever do that? Yes, lots of people have done that. Uh, people who end up going into relationships after the fact who have been burnt the first time are more likely candidates to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most expensive things that c- cause the bills to, to be ratchet it up during a divorce procedure. Okay. I mean, one of the most expensive things, Jordan, is valuation of items. If somebody owns a business, they may get a business valuation expert to come in there. But most of it is just a crock because what they do is they don't look at the scenario on, you know, well, is this business saleable? They look at it as, well, what have you earned in the past? and base, base that information on what's going to happen in the future. Now, the first thing they tell you in Investing 101 is past performance is no indicator of future performance. People that have gotten divorced right before the market downturn and seen their business generate X dollars coming in ahead of time are not generating anything near that now during our economic downturn that we're here now. A lot of people go in and they'll value things that are not necessary, They'll look at things and say, oh, this person's doing this and doing that, and they'll spend thousands of dollars to get a valuation of a number that's not relevant at all. And, again, it's all based on emotion, anger. It's just based on things, well, how am I going to get him or her? How am I going to really make their life miserable? And like I said, when everything's said and done, you know, you may have your one victory in court, but it's sort of like one of these things where, you go out and you sue somebody, you have this two-year drag-on fight, and you get awarded $1 at the end, even though you have an emotional or moral victory. It's not a smart way to go. You've got to get the emotion out of there. You've got to have somebody say, you know what, there's no reason to value this. There's no reason to look you know, for this type of thing. Let's accept it and move on. 
Do a lot of people still hide assets? Is that part of the game in divorce? Um, I don't. I think it's much more difficult today, Jordan, to hide assets. You know, that's the number one thing the IRS is going after for people overseas hiding monies and stuff like that. I don't really see that as much of an issue. You know, especially if people are employees, they get monies coming from corporations. All that stuff is all documented. Very difficult to do that. But I'm sure there are people who try to beat the system. Mm-hmm. What are some of the big tax issues people should be aware of in going through a divorce? Well, the big tax issues is under a property settlement, which is a division of assets between the husband and wife, under Code Section 1041, that whole division is always done income tax-free. And what that means is husband gives property to the wife or vice versa. There's no tax issues there. The big issues come up after the fact. They come up in the, in the formation of alimony or child support. As a general rule, alimony is deductible by the payor and is taxable to the payee. And child support is one of those social exclusions by the government under Code Section 71 that basically says no tax issues at all. The other big issue that comes up is some people, Jordan, try to front load the alimony. And they'll make it so that in the first three years they try to pay out more of it. The IRS is well aware of that. In fact, 80% of the cases look at the first three years because, remember, in a property settlement, there are no tax issues. So let's say, for example, the husband's paying alimony to the wife. If he tries to basically point it down into the first three years, then what ends up happening is he gets the write-off, and as a result, his income goes lower. So that's the big issue that comes up on that. The other issue that comes up that a lot of people don't even look at is what happens after you're awarded the property. Here's a really good example. You know, somebody may keep the family house. Now, remember, $500,000 is the exclusion from capital gains for somebody who lived in the house two of the last five years. But that's if you're married falling joint. So now, all of a sudden, you're single that exclusion dips down to 250,000. Now you turn around and sell the house, 250 is not 500. So the, you may end up paying capital gains tax from the sale of that. So a lot of people don't look at that and I always tell them, listen, if you're going to sell the family house, do it during the divorce process while you're still considered legally married. Yeah, probably be, a lot of people would get caught by that one. That's a very good idea. Yeah. And then uh, also on the credit side, what are some things people should know about as far as establishing their own credit, particularly the women who might not have credit in their own names? You know, that, a that's divorce? a great question, Jordan. And if you don't have credit and you end up divorced, especially in today's marketplace, it's extremely difficult to get credit. I always tell people that if you're looking at getting divorced or you're going through the process while you're basically basing your income off of somebody else, that's the time to establish credit. And I always recommend to anybody, even an at-home spouse, to make sure they have at least one credit card because that one credit card is going to open the doors for everything else. And especially with the way the reins have been pulled on credit today, it's more important than ever to make sure that process starts well before the divorce is finalized. Yeah, and even if you're not going to get divorced, you should have credit in your own oh, name as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Even if it's a matter of you have the money, go get credit, take out a little bit of debt, pay it off right away, and then you'll establish very good credit. Because I hear this all the time. People, you know, everything was Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and Mrs. Smith doesn't exist credit-wise. Right. And then they divorce, and they, they, it's very hard to get started. Yeah, I know another zero. good approach, too, that you may want to think of is maybe that Mrs. Smith, who is not the 
breadwinner has some of the utilities in her name because that establishes credit. The bills get paid on a regular basis, and all of a sudden she has something to work with going forward. And how about kids during a divorce and the financial implications of uh, uh, keeping the kids up? And are, are laws changing as to the father might get the kids as much as the mother or where it's going on with the kind of custody of yeah, kids? Yeah, I, I think that's the case. I've seen very many scenarios recently, and especially in researching this book, where the father is the one who ends up with custody. You know, it really depends on the father and the mother's schedule, whether it's travel involved, late hours from working or whatnot. But, you know, both should basically share in the raising of the children. The biggest issue that I see, Jordan, is that where one parent is basically going out and basically saying derogatory things about the other parent, and all of a sudden now that relationship never gets started to begin with. And that's a real problem because, in my opinion, you know, every child needs two parents who are both willing and able to contribute for the benefit of the children. And that's really, really important. The other fallout that I see coming from this is that all of a sudden now, you know, a kid might go to a private school, a very expensive school, a $50,000 a year school, and one parent, just to be spiteful, says, you know what, you know, I'm going to make sure that kid goes back home to a state school, so this way, you know, we're not, I'm not going to be responsible for paying for that. And I've seen that a lot. I've seen that, unfortunately, in my own situation, and you know what? The child belongs where that child belongs, and he or she needs to stay there. And I yeah. think that's really, really important out there. And, you know, you don't drag the kids as part of the battle. The kids are completely separate. They shouldn't be involved in any aspect whatsoever of the divorce because, again, the bottom line is all children need both parents where available. Very good. All right, we're going to go to a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner. Uh, who, as you can see, is an expert on divorce and other aspects of personal financial planning. We'll get into more of that after this. We'll be back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner, who is a financial planner, a CPA based in the Denver area. Jeffrey, tell people about your website and what they can find on your website. Okay. The website is www jrfinancialgroup.com. And on the website, we have both professional and consumer information, including worksheets. We also have a list of all our training classes. We do a significant amount of CFP training for uh, people all over the country. A lot of financial advisors who give this type of advice have come through one of our training programs that we have nationwide. And we also have a lot of consumer-type workshops that we have set up where since we don't represent any individual company, we're in the best position to go out there and give good, solid, independent, and objective advice. And you may want to look for some of the dates or give us a call on our phone numbers on so forth or on the website, and we'll be happy to chat with you. Now, one of the other areas you would like to talk about is insurance. And okay. uh, a lot of people confused over insurance. Why don't we go over some of the basics, particularly in the life insurance area? How okay. can you figure out, how much life insurance is appropriate based on how much you can afford and what your needs are. Okay. That's great. Uh, great question, Jordan, because a lot of people go in there, will be sold insurance by agents who say, buy as much as you can. And you know what? That's not necessarily a good thing. Here's my rule of thumb dealing with insurance. If you can't afford the right to check to replace an item or it would kill you to write that check, then you need insurance. And that applies to any type of life insurance, disability, health, homeowners, auto, or umbrella discipline out there. You know, on the life side, the good rule of thumb is roughly seven times your gross salary. So if you make $50,000 a year, you should have at least 350000 Now, bear in mind, a lot of people might say to me, well, Jeff, you know, we already have group insurance through our employer. That's great, but the problem that comes up many times is if you ever leave that employer, many times that insurance is not portable and you can't take it with you, which is really why you need a separate independent policy. And the same thing applies for disability as well. Everybody needs insurance. And you know what? People hate talking about it. I get people that rather talk about any conceivable topic outside of that including sex, sports, money, or anything else, but they don't want to talk about insurance because nobody wants to face the fact that ultimately at some point they're going to die. And that's why you need to talk about the planning scenario ahead of time. The sooner the better. You can never start too soon for planning for insurance. 
Do you think most people are underinsured or overinsured as far as life insurance? I think most people are underinsured. I think a lot of people end up buying life insurance many, many years ago when they first sought out in life. Then their needs change, their objectives change, they make a lot more money now, and they never adjust the policy to really reflect where they are today. And you certainly see that in disability, where somebody might go out and buy a policy, for example, with $2,000 a month benefit, but that's when they were making 30000 a year. Now they're making $100,000 a year. That disability policy is no longer current, so it's not going to cover you based on your new lifestyle with the higher income numbers. So I think most people are underinsured, and they definitely need an insurance evaluation, a good review to make sure they're where they need to be. So once you figure out the dollar figure, whether it's be seven times your gross income or whatever it may be, how should you decide between cash value insurance and term insurance what the right mix is going to be? Okay. Uh, before I can even answer that, let's just give a brief couple of definitions of what these represent. Term insurance has no cash value. Term is defined as temporary. If you're looking for a temporary insurance and buying annual renewable term, your break-even is roughly 12 years or so. And if your need's going to go beyond 12 years, then a cash value policy is going to be a better fit. Whole life insurance is more of the older type of insurance where you pay the fixed-level premium for the whole of one's life. And that's still a really good policy because the insurance company's on the hook to make good on the numbers if they don't work out. Universal life is more flexible in nature. It's sort of a term policy tied to cash render value, and if you can't afford to make the premium payments every year, as long as you have enough cash render value in there to cover it, you should be good. If you're looking to tie into the stock markets, then variable life or variable universal life would be very good choices because that, in turn, ties cash render value into how you're going to pick your investments, anything among equities, fixed income, and cash. I always tell people if the need is long-term, you want to go with a cash value policy. Because here's something interesting, Jordan, that most people don't know. 99% of all term policies never, ever pay out. And the reason they don't pay out is they become cost prohibitive at the, eight, at the later years. They get so expensive, people just drop them. If you're looking for term insurance, you're better off with something called a level term policy that will lock in the premium for anywhere from 5 to 30 years. So here's when you would use that. Let's say, for example, you have two children ages 5 and 2, and you want to make sure you have enough life insurance until the youngest one graduates college, let's say at age 22 then I would tell that individual a 20-year level term would be a great fit. So this way we know what the premiums are, we're guaranteed to continue coverage, and after age 22, when the children are ready to support themselves, then you've done your job as a parent to provide enough insurance just in case to pay for the cost of college and whatnot. Do some people resist that, uh, you know, getting enough insurance? They think it's never going to happen to me or something like that? Oh, absolutely. Everybody always says it's never going to happen to me. And even when I do my training classes to advisors, I fill them with a half a dozen stories in each class of why it does happen to you and all the scenarios that, that can occur. And you know what? You've got to be prepared. Even though the, slight, the chance is very slight, there's always a possibility that things are not going to turn out the way you envision. And, like, for example, divorce is a perfect example of that. There's always issues that come up, and you're always better safe than sorry. 
Just give us one or two examples from your own practice of people who didn't have enough insurance and what happened to them. Okay. I knew an individual that had uh, no insurance. They didn't believe in insurance. Oh, I'm indestructible. Nothing's ever going to happen to me. The individual got disabled, was unable to walk. All business activities ceased. He was a very good, solid business person ahead of time, made lots of money, and ultimately needed additional health uh, services, health care, ultimately ended up dying, and the family had to sell the house. They basically moved into an apartment, ultimately went on welfare. Horrible story. And, and the bottom line is this. You never know when it's going to happen to you. You just don't, and you're always better off. That's where the financial plan comes into play, because the financial plan is going to identify all those different exposures out there and say, you know what, you guys need to work on this. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. You know, something could uh, happen detrimentally to you. Here's another quick example on that. And it's, I'm glad, Jordan, that you started off with insurance, because insurance, believe it or not, is the most important discipline in the entire financial process. And here's a great example of that. Back in New York, I had a client in 1989 who came up to me during tax time and said, Jeff, I had a really bad year. My house burned down and I had no insurance. And I'm expecting this huge casualty loss. And we're really going to try to max it out because I owe a lot of people a lot of money. So I basically said to him, okay, Mr. Jones, I said, what did you pay for your house now? And he said, I paid 19000 I said, did you make any improvements to the house? He said, yes, I put in another 29000 which made his adjusted basis for cost purposes 48000 I said, were you able to sell the house? He said, yes, I sold it for 92000 basically for the land. So to make a long story short, he had a gain on the loss of his house. They had to wipe out all the retirement accounts, all the investment accounts, all the kids' college funding, because the bottom line is you need a place to live. And that's why for any financial advisor out there, Jordan, the most important thing is if they don't get their insurance house done first and done properly, everything else is for, for not. Everything else is gone because you can't have a retirement account, an investment account, without covering your basis, certainly having a place to live. That's interesting. People think it will never happen to them, as you say. Oh, absolutely. All right, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner, uh, who is a Colorado and Scottsdale, Arizona-based financial planner. His website, again, is jrfinancialgroup.com. And we'll be back with more after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Network. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. When you were young, did you feel free to daydream? Were you full of questions such as why, how, and what if? Did you allow yourself to be carefree, to dance and sing? Did you create just for fun? Want to feel that way again? Reclaim your natural curiosity and creativity with Dr. Carol Stalkup on Stargazing Stories, sparking your creativity. Revitalize your life, work, and relationships. Be more playful, be bold, imagine, explore, and live more creatively every day. Tune in Wednesdays at 11 a.m. in the East, 8 a.m. in the West on 7th Wave Network. Are you ready to talk football with the greatest wide receiver player and coach in NFL history? Tune in to Wide Open with Andre Rison. Andre is ready to talk to you and give his thoughts on the sport. There will be celebrity guests, coaches, players, artists, and more. He'll go beyond the game with a look from the coach's point of view and feature a high school player each week. Tune in to Wide Open with host Andre Rison, featured Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Ratner, who is a financial planner based in uh, Centennial, Colorado. He also has a big office in Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, we want to talk about college a little bit. Uh, the, the college tuition numbers are pretty staggering these days. I heard the latest now is there's 55 colleges uh, charging over $50,000 a year in tuition, something like that. It's probably only going to go up more. So people look at that and they get kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing and saying, well, it's not even worth saving at all because it's just totally out of reach anyway. What should people be doing uh, to save it, particularly if they have younger kids? Okay, great question, Jordan. And you know what it is? Everybody needs to start saving immediately. You can't start saving first when the child is 14 or 15. You really need to start saving when the child is as young as possible. The best saving type of alternative out there, bar none, is a 529 plan. And that comes from Internal Revenue Code Section 529 that allows monies to grow in a tax-deferred basis and come out tax-free if you use the money for college. And here's a couple of really key things to remember. Number one, we know that the money grows tax-deferred. You can put in roughly, depending on the school, and the way they work it is they look at the most expensive school in the state. So whoever has the plan or the plan sponsor in that state, they look at the most expensive school for five years' worth of tuition, fees, room, and board. And that number roughly is around 320000 now, but we'll just use that for the time being. So you can put that amount of money in per beneficiary. 
And if you have two or three or five kids, you can multiply it by two, three, or five. The other key thing is this is the only section in the entire code where you can get an advance from the gift tax. In other words, have the $13,000 annual exclusion for a single individual or 26000 if you're married count for up to five years that you don't have to pay any type of gift taxes on that. And even more important is you, as the owner, control the account. The minute you put money in, then basically it's out of your estate. The exception is if you take gift tax uh, in advance like that through the exclusion and you die in between, then the balance of that gets back added back to the estate. But the key point to remember here, Jordan, is if your child doesn't go to school, if you have a falling out with your child, you can actually take that money and change the beneficiary and give it to somebody else. Or even more importantly, you can use it for yourself. For example, there are three golf schools in the U.S. the last time I looked that actually accept 529 money. So if you're one of these individuals who are in their 50s and saying, you know what, it's time for a change, this might be a good avenue for you because you can change the beneficiary and use it for yourself. Lastly, on the accumulation side, there are many states out there that give you a state tax deduction for amounts contributed to usually the state tax, I'm sorry, the state 529 plan. So you have that ability to do that. And, you know, people always come back with the comments, oh, there's not enough choices out there, or you're, you're, you're not given all these different alternatives and options. And, and the bottom line is, you are. You know, all the basic food groups are represented. You can do it by age. You can basically allocate anything you want. But clearly, there's no age restriction. There's no age cutoff. This is where you want to be. 529 plans, by far and away, the best uh, choice out there. And in general, would you go for your own state plan because you get that deduction as opposed to an out-of-state plan that might have more choices? Um, As a general rule, that's probably where you should look first. But I know other states that give you a tax deduction regardless of it. But I know in Colorado, for example, if you use the state plan, then you get the best bang for the buck. You can get the write-off. And you might even be able to wipe out your entire state tax liability by doing that. But certainly that's the, that's the best place to, to look. Now, some people say that if you save a lot in the 529 plan, it's going to hurt your chances of getting financial aid. So you're almost being penalized for being responsible. Is that true? Well, I mean, any time, I wouldn't put it just with 529 plans. I mean, any family that has a lot of assets and or income, your chances of getting financial aid are lessened. And 529 assets that are in the parent's name do show up on the financial aid form. So, I mean, I would not do things specifically for tax purposes. You know, that clearly is the way to go. You still have to save it. You know what you can do? You can have the grandparents save it. Because if the grandparents save it, their information may not show up on the uh, financial aid form. So that might be a good choice. The other thing to think about, too, is that, you know, if the grandparents want to help liquidate their estate, then what they can do is they can actually write a check directly to the school, and it won't be included for gift tax purposes. So they can still gift the child thirteen or $26,000, for example, pay the tuition to Harvard or something like that at fifty grand, and still end up helping to remove a lot of the assets from their estate. That could be another beneficial uh, move as well. Are you finding people are saving enough for college these days, or is there a big gap there? No, I don't find people saving nearly enough for college. You know, there is a big gap out there. 
Uh, a lot of people rely on financial aid. But that's a crapshoot. You don't know. But the one thing I will tell you, Jordan, is this. Even if your child wants to go to a private school and you may not be able to afford it, you need to work through the numbers and speak to the financial aid office there because they may be willing to give you money that, from a net cost perspective, is actually cheaper than going to a state school. So I always tell people, check out all the alternatives, even if they don't seem right up front, because you may be surprised on the back end. My understanding is that the Obama administration is trying to change the whole student loan structure so it would basically run through the Department of Education and not through private lenders. Mm -hmm. Do you think that would, would make student loans more available and be better for students? Um, I'm not sure about that. I'm not really sure. I think that what a student may want to do is take a job, for example, working for a municipality or a city or some type of civil employee where, or even going into the military where they may pay back those student loans if you commit so many years of service. I think that's a good avenue that's very often uh, uh, overlooked right now and something that people may say, you know what, I just have to commit for so many years, I get all these loans paid off for, that's really a good deal. In about the minute, last minute we have left, why don't you just kind of sum up what we've talked about for the last hour, all the things people should do to prepare instead of be surprised by their financial circumstances. Okay, Jordan, I think the first thing people need to do is to set up a financial plan. That financial plan is going to take you from where you are now to where you need to be. That roadmap is going to include all the different disciplines we spoke about today, from cash flow management to insurance to investments to income tax, retirement, college, estate, you name it, it's all part of that. What that's going to do is identify all the different weaknesses that individuals have and come up with structured solutions that have dollar amounts and time frames attached to each so you can follow that roadmap. And as we said earlier, when you drive from Los Angeles to New York, you have that map in front of you, you're set. And no matter who helps you implement that roadmap, as long as you have a good solid roadmap, a good solid financial plan up front, then you'll be set for life. Well, it's been fascinating, and we've really talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about divorce, insurance, saving for college, and the idea is to plan ahead and you don't have to have a disaster on your doorstep <laughs> that way. Thanks so much for being on the show. Again, my guest has been Jeffrey Ratner. Uh, his website is jrfinancialgroup.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Jeff. I appreciate it. Good luck to everyone. All right. Thank you very much, and we'll be back with another show again next week. Goodbye for now. For joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.